but I would say one of the biggest things that the West Coast did for me is when I came out here, it, it caused me to dream a lot bigger. It caused me to, to set much more significant goals than I would have if I would have sort of stayed where I was born and grew up the way that everyone else around me was growing up and, and not experienced that new environment. Welcome back or welcome to the Business in Board Shorts podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to coastal entrepreneurs and business owners. In today's episode, we talk with Ryan Moore from San Diego, California, and the most recent product he has brought to market is called the Stealth Rack, and it's a surf rack that fits inside your vehicle. It keeps your board safe. It keeps the crew that's in your car safe, and it goes with you wherever the waves take you. Let's dive into this week's conversation. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, you're welcome. So let's start with your backstory. You're based in San Diego right now. Have you lived there your whole life? I originally grew up on the East Coast in Baltimore and uh, didn't even start surfing until probably the, I guess, maybe 17 or 18 is when I first started because we don't really get waves there on the East Coast unless there's a hurricane in the fall. And uh, we would go out to Assateague Island or Ocean City, Maryland. It was about a three-hour drive, but we would go out every time there was a hurricane and surf the hurricane swell. So that's that's where it all started. And I, I really fell in love with surfing there. I spent, when I graduated from college, I spent about a summer in Costa Rica and surfed, I don't know, like four or five days a week. Um, I was teaching English out there and and that's where I actually became a decent surfer and and was like, okay, well, you know, I can I can handle most days and you know, and it would get big there, but I, I I basically learned in the school of hard knocks there. And after that summer, I was like, all right, well, I, I need to be on the West Coast. I don't know if I can handle only having swell for you know a six week season of the year. So that's that's how I wound up in California um, from the East Coast essentially. Very cool. And what would you say the vibe is like in San Diego or West Coast versus where you grew up on the East Coast? It's different. Um, you know, there's strengths about all the the different areas of the U.S. I would say the strength of the East Coast, particularly the Northeast, is that even though people might be a little bit more bristly at first, um, if somebody decides to trust you, they're going to be your friend for life. They're going to have your back forever. There's a lot of a lot of loyalty and and long term commitment sort of mentality with people, so they don't commit lightly because they know that they're really going to have your back, um, which is a great a great thing to have. The West Coast is a little bit different. I think people generally are nicer at first glance. You know, they're, they people like to be liked and and like to have friendly interactions. Um, so they're maybe a little less direct. Um, you know, but in general, people are much easier to get to know. Um, so it, it's definitely a different atmosphere. But I would say one of the biggest things that the West Coast did for me is when I came out here, it it caused me to dream a lot bigger. It caused me to to set much more significant goals than I would have if I would have sort of stayed where I was born and grew up the way that everyone else around me was growing up and and not experienced that new environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think is the catalyst for that besides just being somewhere new? I can't say what it is for everyone, but I know for me, getting out of my hometown where you know a lot of people stay, there are a few people who leave, but it's it's not it's not the norm. 
um, getting out of there and and making a big move like that away from my network and all the resources that I had and things like that. It I think it caused me to to expand what I believed was possible, um, and and that of course you know changes a lot of things. And then from there, success kind of breeds success. You're like, all right, well, if I did that, you know. I could probably do this too. And, and it just, your belief structure starts to change, I think. So for me, the shift in belief structure made a big difference in, in my life and travel has been a big part of, of my life ever since. Um, you know, I'm part of an organization in Central America and I get to do some surfing and whatnot there where the waves are incredible and the water is really, really warm, especially compared to San Diego. You know, I, I try to spend a couple months a year there because getting out of you know, not just East Coast or West Coast or Central America, but getting out of the U.S. and into places, especially third world countries, will will totally shift your perspective. And every time I come back to the U.S., I'm like blown away by how blessed I am and by how great things are. And I, and I wouldn't even notice that stuff if I if I didn't significantly change my environment from time to time. I love that. There's so much to be said. Even I had traveled recently just within the country here, but just to change the perspective there to have new surroundings. And I can't imagine what that's like to go to a third world country and then come back. It's even, you know, got to be tenfold. Yeah. If I, if there were three things that I would speak out to anybody who wanted to grow in business or, or entrepreneurially, um, especially if they're younger and haven't traveled, um, you know, getting out of the U.S. and spending time, it's not just like a week or two, but like a month or two or more in in a, a completely foreign environment is is one of the top three things that I would say makes a big difference in someone's life and in their ability to dream and imagine and inspire creativity and, and motivate them and, and actually realize how how much effectiveness we have. You know, just by being born in the U.S., we have a level of effectiveness in the world that not everybody gets to have. I mean, our language, English, lang the English language is the language of business around the globe. So just by nature of speaking English as a first language, you, you automatically have a ton of doors open to you that, you know, maybe not everyone else will experience. And you don't realize how, how, how much leverage and how much ability we have to make a difference in the world or to develop things in business until you go somewhere where you're like, oh, this is very different here. You know, what I have is 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 not the norm. And then you start noticing, you know, the stuff that's in your hand already that is valuable. Because I think a lot of people, you know, when they're thinking about starting a new business or, or um, even when they own an existing business, they forget about what they actually have in their hand already because they're just used to it. Your current product here, the Stealth Thread. Can you explain more about that and how that works? Yeah. So I originally um, just started keeping a board in my car all the time when I was here in San Diego, especially when I first moved here. I would surf like four or five days a week. It was a big part of my life. So it was always at least one or two boards in my car. And because the water is cold here and I'm a baby about cold water, there was always a wetsuit in there. And, um, you know, the, the board, if you, I would leave the back seat down, it would just kind of rattle around or whatever. Then if I needed to put people in there or things in there, the board was always in the way and it was just kind of inconvenient. Um, and even worse, if you slide the board up through the middle of the seats and you have a, a passenger 
in that that passenger seat in the front, it's hard to communicate with them. That board's there like a barrier. It's kind of bouncing around. It's not safe. And I was like, man, there's got to be there's got to be a way of doing this. And obviously, I wasn't going to leave my board on the roof of my car all the time. You know, you can't just like go into a coffee shop or or you know, I had a, a co-working space that I worked out of for a long time, and I couldn't just leave my board outside on my car for eight hours because you know, hopefully on the way back home, the swell would be, you know, nice and the wind would be, you know, down or whatever, you know, just the conditions might be good. So I want to have a board with me, but I didn't want to leave it on the roof of the car all day to get baked in the sun and melt the wax off and whoever knows what, whatever else. Um, so I, so I kept it in the car and eventually started, I just, just rigged a system for keeping the board in the car. And it was, crappy it was terrible it was like nothing that anybody would want to look at i mean it looked like a mess but i was kind of excited about it i was like oh look at this solution so i basically scratched my own itch and um i just felt led to refine the design and simplify it um and and it kept on coming up and kept on coming up and you know just kept feeling this pull to to simplify that design and start sharing it with people so you know i i worked on it and simplified it and brought it down to um, the simplest possible design for carrying a surfboard inside the vehicle. And it essentially holds the board on the inside roof of the car. So you can still see out of both driver and passenger mirrors and the rear view mirror. You can have all the passengers in the car and it's secure and it's not going to rattle around. So it's just the most convenient way of having a board in your car all the time. And for me, that was the solution I needed. So I, I thought, well, you know, maybe there's other people that need this solution too. And um, as it turns out, there are. <laughs> There's two things I love, catching rays and catching new business. But getting tan is a lot easier than getting your business found online. If you're struggling to get new customers from your website, let my decade of experience work for you. Surf on over to callmect.com and fill out a quick form. I'll be sure to answer as soon as I get back from the beach. And how long did it take from it being just an idea to where you're at right now and having a website to sell it and all that kind of stuff? I tinkered with the design and, and just had it in my car for, I don't know, probably two years. And then just felt this prompting that it was time to refine it and make it ready for market. So that process began last February. We've got the website up now. You know, I think probably since it's a side project, it took us about like four months or so to really get everything refined and, and have a presence online and get some photo shoots and you know, develop our first 200 units of inventory, get the material, assemble it, and, and just have it ready to go. So four or five months, I would say, from, from where it was just kind of a, a prototype to an actual product out there in the world. And where would you like to see this business two, three years down the line? My goal for this particular product is to continue to sell it through e-commerce, currently, you know, direct to consumer, because I think it's super fun to be able to manufacture something and then supply that to a consumer because normally there's several steps, right? Normally there's a manufacturer and the manufacturer sells it to a distributor and then the distributor sells it to the retail and the retail sells it to the consumer. Well, each of those entities have to make a cut of profit along the way, right? Like the manufacturer is making profit, the distributor is making profit, 
the then the retail stores making profit. So the markup is huge. But if you can go straight from manufacturer to end user, you can cut all that out and supply something to the user where it's still worth it to be a business, but it costs like half of what it would if you did it the other way for the end user. I want to keep that model going as long as possible. And ultimately, to paint a picture of the perfect scenario, we would get picked up by one of the major surf accessory brands and sell them the IP and the manufacturing and the inventory and those, those types of things. Because you know, ultimately, I probably won't continue to have an e-commerce business for the rest of my life. You know, I have a stack of inventions that that I will be bringing out to the world for sure as time goes on. Um, I just keep like a running list of that. And then this is the second product that I brought to market. But ultimately, I think once we sell a few thousand units, um, we will likely get picked up by by one of the major surf accessory manufacturers out there because they have massive economies of scale in distribution and in manufacturing. So they can probably even produce it at a lower cost than we can. What would you say is your favorite thing about owning your own business, entrepreneur, you know, having all these different ideas and different products that you want to bring to market? What do you enjoy most about that? One of the top things that I love about that would be, you know, just the ability to create something that doesn't exist. You know, this thing didn't exist in the world before the team and I brought it out into the world. And I think that that is what people are made for. Um, certainly there is a category of people that are, that are called and designed and made for um, working in a nine to five role in someone else's business, you know, and, and just about everybody will do that for a portion of their life. So there, there are phases of time and there are individuals who are absolutely made for that. And I think that, I think that if, if somebody really enjoys that, then they should absolutely do that. You know, if it's inspiring to them and they're in a role that they love and they're working with a company that, that means something to them, I absolutely think that is a very viable and great career path for many people. Um, and then you have people on the other end of the spectrum who would never survive in an office. <laughs> like I'm one of those people, like either I wouldn't survive or the office wouldn't survive. But you know, there's not, it just wouldn't work. Right? Like In some way it wouldn't work. So I very blatantly will not live that life, cannot live that life. It, it just doesn't work with how I'm made, um, you know, which in some ways is a strength in some ways is not a strength. And I think that's fine too. Like either ends of the extreme, totally fine. The problem is I think that the average human, the, the middle part of the standard deviation curve, I think that that is comprised of many, many people that are in a nine to five role that don't actually want to be, that do it because it's expected or, or do it because of financial pressure or, or whatever, you know, just for whatever reason, that's what they're doing, but it's not what they want to be doing. Um, and I think that's the only problem. You know, if someone is in a role like that um, and, and they don't want to be in a role like that. There's so much that each person has to contribute to the world. And I believe that the world gets moved forward by people being willing to step out and walk in the fullness of what they were made to do, like the completeness of what they were made for, rather than getting stuck in a role that they're doing because they feel like they have to. And I would say to anybody who hears this later on, if you feel like you're doing what you're doing because you have to do it, I, I would question whether that's reality. You know, what What would it be like if you let that feeling of have to go and started living out what you felt like you were made to do? And in my opinion, that's what moves the world forward. And, and the opportunity to do that exists for everyone. But deciding that it exists for you 
is one of the main things that moves someone from that space of being in a have to type scenario into a space where they're like, I love what I'm, I'm inspired to do this. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm contributing to the world, what I was made to contribute to the world. It's the belief that that opportunity exists. So one of my favorite things about my role is that I get to share that with people. Like This was just a silly idea in the back of my head and now it's reality. And there's several other businesses that I'm involved in and that we've got going as a team, um, you know, proves that on several different levels that, that people can do this and that it is available and that it is possible. So inspiring other people to walk out the fullness of what they're made for is, is one of my favorite things about, about the whole thing. I appreciate the way that you articulated that because I think there is, some people may think it's black and white. It's, you know, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm not, I'm eight to five or I'm not. And it's really a spectrum and there could be people that are called one way or the other, but then there's others, like you said, that they may be in that eight to five, but they, they don't feel totally fulfilled and they do believe that there's more there. Uh, and so it's really just keep digging in and figuring that out. What's the best business advice you've ever received? I've received a lot of, of really good business advice. So it's hard to dial it into the best one. But I would say one of the things that has made a big difference for me in a lot of the businesses that I, that I have or have run or, or other people's businesses that I've been involved in is about solving problems. So many people you know, try to come up with a thing that they would like to do. But instead, if you can flip that on its head and say, what problem would I like to solve? It has you focused on the needs of other people, right? And those the problems exist. That's the thing. What would I like to do? Well, that's a very hard question to answer. It's vague. It's a blank slate. Like, who knows? It, it's hard to start with that. Um, but if you look around the world and you you start to observe the problems that other people have, now you've got a spark. Now you've got something to inspire your creativity. You've got something to go with. Right. And so you don't have to start with a blank slate. You can say, what problems are people experiencing? Which, which of those problems can I solve? And now of the ones that I can solve, which of them would I like to solve? And you make a list of those problems that people are experiencing that you can solve, that you would like to solve. And then you figure out which one makes the biggest difference in the world, which, which one would impact the most people, which one is the most valuable to people. And you rank that list accordingly. And then you give it a whirl. You just start, right? Give it a shot. See what happens. If you had a gigantic billboard that you could put a piece of life advice on, what would it say? If I could put three pieces of life advice on it, it would say, get alone and be with God, manage and focus your energy. Focus your energy would be the second thing. And the third thing would be get out of your current environment. Those three things. So we talked about travel earlier, getting out of your current environment sparks and inspires creativity. So that's really important. You can't just have creativity running amok all over the place though, because then you're going in a million directions and not getting any particular thing done. So that second piece of advice, focus your energy, um, would be the second thing that I think people need to hear. And the first piece of advice, get alone and be with God is, you know, I think the most important thing. In my, in my experience, separating spirituality from business is is a fallacy that a lot of people fall into. So if someone only gets that first one, a lot of times the other two pieces will fall into place. And and that that fallacy, it comes from thinking, oh, well, some of these things are spiritual. Some of these things are very bad and terrible. You know, some of these like three categories, essentially good, terrible, and somewhere in the middle, like a 
bubble of things that like like marketing and sales like it's not necessarily good it's not necessarily bad it's just kind of neutral um, but the reality is there there are only two categories if we can get rid of this gray space in the middle and, and say look there's other things that are in alignment with what we are designed for there there are this category of things that are in line with what we're made for that 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 honor and glorify God, that he's so excited to see that we're walking in the fullness of what he made us to do, that God loves about us and what we're bringing into the world. And then there's this category of things that are not in alignment with what we are designed for. There is no middle ground because even something in the middle ground that's neither good nor bad takes space, takes time and energy away from what would go into what, what is in alignment with what you were made for. So I think that I think that realization is important and and so many people separate spirituality and and their the core of their design from the work that they do because they think that there's a middle category of things and their work somehow fits into the middle category of things. So if you can get rid of that and a lot of times it just comes from that first thing getting alone and being with God and figuring out what your actual design is what you are made for. If my listeners want to check out the Stealth Rack, where can they do so? Yeah, you can go online to, um, we just set up a new website. So I think it's shop. Yeah, shopstealthrack.com. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks. You're still here? Well, while I have you, if you found today's episode valuable or useful, I would love if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps to expand the reach of the podcast. And if not, then just forget the last 10 seconds. Thanks. Talk to you next week.